Hello, you're listening to the Hamilton Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hamilton Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are talking about the founder's story and how it can be used to drive the sales of an e-commerce site. We've also been recently talking about a founders-based ad in Facebook and had a lot of success with that type of ad. But we've been seeing lots of people making lots of mistakes when they try and put them together themselves. So this is a podcast to discuss what mistakes people are making, how to correct them, and how to actually make this into a success for your e-commerce site. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm all right, Ian. How are you? Excellent. I'm, yes, I'm okay. I'm okay. And um, yeah, we, well, interestingly, we were just having a conversation like uh, like we normally do. And we thought we'd better record it because it was yeah. interesting. We were chatting about e-commerce because who'd have thought we actually do talk about it all the time? Well, that, that's how this podcast came apart, around, yes. really. That was just basically recording of conversations because obviously we live on opposite sides of the earth pretty much as far as I you know. can get away from each other and well that's um, what happened so exactly it was today i was driving home from work in england and you were driving to work in new zealand or, or actually going across your lawn yeah and, you know don't want to dispel the myth of the you know the, the hammersley empire but you yeah. have a home office now you know as in new zealand as well a- I've got a little hut. Well, that's, it's more of a studio in the back in the end of the garden. I always, yeah. always enjoyed Roald Dahl as a child. He used to go and write his books in a little shed in the in the, yeah. in the bottom of his garden. Um, but a little bit more advanced than that, his was literally like a garden shed, and he'd sit under a rug and, he and was write his books. Of his time. He was, yeah, he was. Yeah. Well, anyway, about the meeting that we just had, and we and. and we were talking about the, st- the the story, the backstory behind an e-commerce business, so like the founder story, like the the ultimate, you know, mission behind why we're selling these products online, and 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 I and it, essentially the interesting thing was is what is is why why to do it, how to do it, um, and I and it, and it came about because there was a, a company we we're chatting to today selling um, footwear online. Um, more of a functional type of footwear, like going outdoors and like waterproof stuff. And um, but and and there was um, we often hear a there's a slight reluctance sometimes for the ecom brands to to show who they are, like the founder. You know, the sort of maybe sort of oh no, perhaps a bit embarrassing, or I don't want to build a business around me. And I said to this this customer today, I said, I said, interesting, you know, a brand. You know, a good brand, you know, is really reassurance. It's trust and credibility because it's like a consistency. So when you see a good brand that you know, you trust it um, and it gives you that confidence to buy into the brand. And the brand becomes something, you know, it stands for something more than the sum of its parts. And, and, and the reason why I'm just saying that is because bringing in a founder or the story or the, you know, and the, the people in the business 
um, it's a shortcut really to the brand because what you know if you see the personality of the business and the founder, you know it gives the same thing as a brand. It gives trust and credibility, and it you know it's, it shows personality and it de-risked it because you feel that you're buying in. Well, the you know such and such wouldn't let me down. You know it's part of the brand, so it's kind of like a shortcut. So. But it's just, it's a conversation that we have quite often, isn't it? And you you know you you've been doing a lot of work in it, and you see some mistakes people make. So I'm going to probe you about it, Mark. Okay. I'm going to interview you and ask you some questions. So what are your would you want to just summar, briefly summarize it? Yeah. You know, what's your thoughts? So the reason I want to talk about it recently because recently I've been teaching people how to write what I call a founder based ad. So it's like a founder based Facebook ad, but really the founder based Facebook ad is the founder story. And the founder story is essentially, uh, it's a very short, um, what's it, well, for an advert, it's probably quite a long copy, but it's a short way of taking someone from zero to wanting to buy the product in, in, in probably the shortest possible time. It's effectively your brand story. And your brand story is something that should move the customer to buy the product. And what's been happening is, when I say founder story, when I um, found ads, people have been submitting the founder ads and the mistake they've been making is writing about themselves. Now that, that sounds silly because obviously the founder story is going to be about them. It's going to be about the founders. But what you've got to realize is that the founder story is actually a vehicle to tell the customer why they should buy the product. That's what it's there for. So the mistake people have been making with the founder stories is starting with like, you know, they, they'll start with the reason why they, they created the business for themselves and what they wanted to achieve and all that kind of stuff. And the customer doesn't care about that. Mm. What the customer cares is they want to read a founder story. They want to believe that they are having a similar problem as the founder. And they want to read about how the founder solved that problem and how they've created this great product for they can help. So everybody reads the founder story as themselves. So they want to be able to put themselves into it. So the more you bang on about, oh, well, I was working at IBM and then I was really bored with the corporate world and then I decided to go and, you know, it's not, no one's interested in it. And so mm. the founder story... Not adding any value, is it? Yeah. It, it's, you've got to think about the founder story as a vehicle that is interesting to the, to the ultimate consumer. And I was, um, I was just working with someone who sells men's grooming products and he's got a he's got a beard oil and he's got um an aftershave balm and i thought this was a really good example of somebody who hadn't formulated the, the founder story very well or at least in his mind he thought he had because he's too close to the product he's too close to the business and as we got talking what i like to do is is i like to get people relaxed and then I like to let them, let them tell me the story of the business. So if you tell somebody that you're going to make notes and we're going to use your founder story to sell, uh, to, to create an ad and all that kind of stuff, they freeze up and they can't sell it. So at the beginning of the call, I literally got him very relaxed and he told me the founder story of the business. And if you go to this uh, website and you look at the website, effectively on the homepage is just three bottles of the product. It's like plonked on the product on the page. And, um, you know, when I started to ask him, you know, why do people buy this product? He says, oh, because we've got a nice lid on the, on the bottle and we've got the, the bottle and the label looks really nice. And I don't want it to look like a medicine bottle and all that stuff. And I was like, 
people don't care about that. Like if you, um, if, if, if people want to buy the product, they will buy the product because of what it does. And so when he was relaxed at the beginning of the call, what he said to me was he said, well, um, you know, I've been a barber for 44 years and I used very different products and things. I used to buy them in. And then there was lots of customers, they, uh, uh, they didn't like them. And then there was one product that really stuck, uh, struck out. And so it was really, really good. It was the best one. And it was actually done by a clinical nutritionist, not a clinical naturopath or something like that. And he said, so we contacted him and he said that the, the clinical nutritionist didn't want to, um, didn't want to produce it in bulk, didn't want to batch. So he basically bought the recipe and he just, he thought, well, I don't really want to sell these online. I don't want to do anything, but I'll, I'll start selling them online. Um, so my customers who come to my barbershop can get them. And then he got picked up by um, a big American grooming website in, in America. It was like one of the top bloggers who loved it. And then it got put into, uh, it, it started winning awards. He didn't submit it for the awards, but some of his customers started uh, submitting it on his behalf or some of the other barbers did. And it started winning these awards. And then it became a really, probably like the, one of the best um, products that barbers use once they know in the know. So it can be this underground movement of what the barbers know is the best beard oil or the best aftershave oil. And I was like, well, well, you're not telling any of that story on the product page or any of that story on the homepage. Now, as I just said to you, Ian, at the beginning of that, you would have been thinking, well, it's just another beard oil. And I, I got you to look at the website. But how does that make you feel now yeah. about the product after I told you? I need it. Yeah. Well, it did. It, it, I mean, it's, you know, I looked at the site before you sent me the link and it literally just products have been plonked on the page. And you do see this, don't mm. you? You know, lots of e-commerce brands, okay, you know, sites can just plonk on a page and think, well, that's it, mm. isn't it? And, I, you know, so I had no idea. Now you told me that story. That's amazing. It totally changes my perception of that of that brand. Yeah. And you know what? It gives it gives it gives me a lot of reassurance. You know, it's 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 a, it's added convincibility. You know, it's given me a lot of reassurance, and it, I genuinely believe now that that is now head and shoulders over the, over the competition. It makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? So how do you like how do you because and we've seen this with other bits like this. There's, there's the um, the uh, hiking, you know, the run, mm. Harry Run Free guys as well, and they've done that. They've done a fantastic job yeah. on this too. But, so, how how do you, where do you go? So, obviously, the step one is you know getting the founder, and I think a lot of people can get the founder story right. But how do you? Well, how do you get it out? So you interviewed you interviewed this chap. Yeah. So you you how do you get it out? Well, basically, you just ask them how 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 the business came about. And a lot of the time that will, that will uncover, that will uncover things that they can tell you when they're relaxed. And obviously as the business owner ourselves, it's difficult to that, to that ourselves. But what I tend to look at first is, uh, you know, I'll be thinking about the market and I'll be thinking about the consumer and who the buyer is. And then I'll be thinking about the frustration they're having or the worry they're having or what they're trying to achieve. And then I'll start to think, well, surely the founder had that problem at the beginning and that's what's going to resonate with each other so like the you know like the barber story for example like other barbers i mean ultimately he wants to do lots of wholesale 
you know, it, like selling online, like a few bits of barber oil is great. But if you can get into wholesale all around the world, then it's going to be a much bigger business. So if you can sell it to people who have large grooming uh, distribu- distributors and things like that, then that's what that's what he wants to be able to do. So that's what he wants the, the, the founder story to kind of link to and, and, and give authority with. So you really want to start to think about how can I it's almost like using the founder story as a method to tell the person what they need to hear. Yeah. And so in order to do that, you need to think about, well, I've got my story over here and then over the other side of it, I've got what the customer needs to be convinced of. So I'm always aware of that in my, in my mind. So like a good example is someone who's on the 20 K core at the moment and she's got a company called Motorcycles uh, Cosmetics, Motorbikes and Cosmetics, which is a company she set up uh, with her husband. And her founder story is that she suffered from something called fibromyalgia, which I'm not exactly sure exactly what it is, but I think it's pain in the body that you can't really get rid of. And her husband was a chemist and he started producing some massage oils and some oils to help her with her uh, condition and then she started selling them to friends and then she started making it bigger and that was that founder story and so we we took the founder based ad um structure which i give people as a template to to write the founder based ad which was basically saying you know we kind of switch it up we kind of we talk about why it's interesting for them who we also say who it's not for that's always an important part of the founder story so we kind of like like if we in her example she'd say something like if you can manage your pain with the normal products that are sold in the supermarket, then this product isn't for you because this is something like this is something like you can't find on the shelves. So suddenly then you're kind of like hitting the main competition, which is the supermarket and the pharmacies. And you're basically saying, well, if you can use their quote unquote rubbish, then um, you, this isn't for you because this is better. Basically, it's a kind of way of saying who it's not for. So we flick that around. And so we took the model of that and she literally she's going around about 12 ROAS on Facebook ads with her with her founder story. So but her founder story really talks to the person, the fellow sufferer of fibromyalgia and brings them through the journey that she had. And then they go, well, I want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I want to do the same thing that the founder has achieved. I want to have that for myself. So the founder ad. Mm. It can't be like, oh, how I set a business up and how I made loads of money and how I did this. They're not interested in that. They want to know how your story is going to help them. Does that make sense, Ian? So you're saying you're saying that the founder story really mm. has to be aligned to the job yeah. you've done and the anxieties and what could go wrong. Well, that makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? Because it's reinforcing the, uh, that. Ultimately, why people want to buy in the first place job to be done and then and then what they'll be anxious yeah. about and i think and i think the other mistake that people make with um, the founder-based ad is not getting the attention in the first couple of sentences in something that that kind of hooks people in so the story should hook people in at the beginning so like the barber one i was kind of just on the call with him i was just kind of writing it in and the kind of like um the sentence i um i wrote at the beginning was I never intended to sell and produce beard oil and grooming products, exclamation mark. So like that gets your interest. Like if you kind of say, I never intended to do this, or I never intended this, or, you know, you could say something, I never te- intended to become the best selling barber, uh, barber oil in the world or something like that. I never intended to 
achieve this like mm. that that gets your that gets your interest because it's not saying like oh i was a barber for 44 years this is um this is this sounds to me like you're going we're going back to the you know the the mm. masters of advertising copy like ogilvy and was it is it claude hopkins claude hopkins is the guy the that wrote, wrote scientific advertising i think um, which is one of the old school books i i i recommend people read as kind of like your your starting guide and then the other guy the other the, yeah like the, the algovy yeah the original Olga, david algovy ads were like the long form copy and so like it, it, when i ask people mm. to write a founder based ad they think oh it's long copy no one's going to read it but it, it, if you've got a product that that needs a little bit of a explanation of like particularly products that don't work very well on on google ads like google ads like selling a beard oil on google ads is quite hard because there's so many beard oils and there's so many uh, things that on the product page you haven't really got enough space to tell the story whereas facebook ads you have got a bit more space now you can do it with a long copy ad or um with a slight with a video well and ads but it's it's also here, so there's just coming on to my next question before you get into that because I've got some good. I want to ask you some questions about the, you know the actual mechanics mm. of once you've got your founder story, and it aligns with the job to be done and it hits the, it hits the main points in terms of anxieties and things. But um, what I, what I want to know about now is is practical implementation of it. Um, but I'll just say before I ask that. I, I can also say that, that sometimes there is a reluctance for people. They mm. think they're sharing too much. And I know this because you were chatting, you were chatting about a, um, a beautiful sofa company that's based in the UK that's trying to scale. Um, they're selling sofas online. There's a lovely, lovely story around about the, the how and the why mm. and why they make them this way. And it was, you know, time crafted. And they, were, they, were, they thought they were going to give way too much. And we were like, no, don't worry about that. No one, you know, no one's going to copy the this bit of it. You can't copy no. really the founder base story. Um, but also, also like, you can't copy a brand. And you know, you, and what happens is when you get it right, you know, the brand becomes greater than the sum of its parts. And it, you know, mm. it becomes more than the product itself. It becomes the brand that people buy into it, and that's when you're able to charge a premium. So I, I always say, don't worry about it. And also, you know, you know, if you, unless you're doing, you know, fifty. See, the thing is, the thing is, he he was reluctant matter. to give away his sales secrets that he he uses when he gets people into the showroom because a lot of people book online and they come into the showroom. Mm. But what he probably doesn't realize is, by the time they've gone into the showroom. Like and they've made a trip specifically to buy the sofa. Most of them are going to buy a sofa. So really, if you've got any ticks and trips and tricks yeah. and all that kind of stuff, you really should be bringing them out earlier in the sales process to get more people to actually book a call in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, a people. I mean, it's actually in the book we wrote. Yeah. There's 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 a story about the cloning of the two gas stations. People will try and clone you when you're successful, but only when you're successful. They'll try and clone you when you're successful. And once you're successful, you'll be very difficult to clone because you'll have a brand. It's a bit like me coming out with an aftershave got a brand. and then going and having a look at the Armani ad and going, well, that's how you do an aftershave. I'm going to go clone the advert. I'm going to go and, you know, I can't afford Johnny Depp. So I'm going to go and get some dude to kind of dig a hole in a desert and 
and, and it just doesn't work. You can't clone it because you're not coming at it with the same brand heritage, uh, heritage and, and story. Um, Ham Hammersley, Hammersley Aftershave. Aftershave. Yeah. Hammersley no? and Hammersley Aftershave, yeah. Hammersley and Hammersley. I don't know. Who would, the who smell would of, buy that? Um, E-commerce hard work. <laughs> Baking and, yeah, e-commerce. <laughs> Yeah. Sweat well, actually, actually, funnily enough, we've we, 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 we've got um, we, we've, you know, funnily enough, I was chatting about this today, just as a slight interlude. We, we've got a um, in Manchester, we've we've, we've just we're growing the UX team. We've got a new UX designer that's come on board, and um, in our and I was taken through this little training, and I said one of the one of the one of the mistakes that people often make when they're doing UX design work is they'll they'll, they'll think okay. We will, you know, we'll look at, look at like Ralph Lauren, you know, Ralph Lauren, very successful company. You know, if it look, if it works for Ralph Lauren, it's going to work for us. Like we'll just copy Ralph Lauren. It needs to look like Ralph Lauren. This is a, and it's like, you know, obviously you can't do that. You can't, you can't just create a site, make it look like Ralph Lauren and expect it to work because Ralph Lauren have got such depth of history mm. and credibility and positioning and brand that, you know, and that's come through. You know, years and years and years and years of, of you know. Also, of, they're of, very uh, poor. A lot of the time, go and look at them. I get asked to and, review them um, all the time, and I'll go and look at them, and they'll, they'll be very poor in terms mm. of the information that a buyer typically needs to know. Yeah, they could get away with bloody murder, mm. can't they? From an econ perspective, you know, they can get away mm. with such a sloppy execution where they don't have to worry about trust and credibility and reducing anxiety or giving people reason to act now you know they don't have to do all of that because they've got such desirability mm. that they just trump everything else because they've just got that positioning so spang on but when you're in an econ business and you're doing you know under 10 million you know you a year you know mm. you, you you you've got nothing and you've got to you've got to really put your eye your feet in the shoes of your customer thinking, yeah. well, why would they buy from me? Like I've got to, I've got to work really hard to make them buy. Anyway, that's a slight interlude, but I always use that. And that's one of the common mis mistakes that people make when they're trying to make doing UX is they, they want to make it look like so the, a very aspirational brand. Yeah. Without you wouldn't the backstory, always, without well, the history. Uh, really, I was so, just thinking like when you, you wouldn't use a founder story, oh. you wouldn't need a founder story. So like, um, and two two ideas come to mind. Like for example, like the the bedding store that we're doing is the demo store. We don't really need a founder story for that because we're kind of using, we we kind of having aesthetic. Well, I actually I actually think. Well, to be honest, we should. To be honest, we could have, have we could have I had a founder story, a but it's whether or not we want we to didn't... put ourselves onto that brand yeah, we given could. all the other stuff we're doing. So. Um, yeah, well, I know, I know, but I think I think I think you raise a very very good but look point. At, when look at Layered Lounge, for example. Look at Layered Lounge, relevant. for example. She's or not when put herself into. More important. She's not really made herself the focus of that business. The focus of that business has been the photography. She's kind of gone down the same route as Cox and Cox, basically. And you would never know about Rod from Cox and Cox, would you? You know, who was the founder of when we were working with them? Who have gone bankrupt? I think they've been bought, haven't they? Just, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, to administration, they got me. Yeah, which is sad, really sad. Um, same sort of cash flow problem. But no, but I actually think businesses like that do yeah. suit with the founder story. 
I think they do, and I think I think they're the ones that naturally benefit. I certainly think I certainly think Graham and Green a had a founder story. And the they ones seem to be aware that... of, of their founder story, and Abigail Hearn, obviously, and she's got a founder story. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's like Studio yeah. Studio McGee from. Uh, I probably said that wrong from the Netflix stuff, but no, I think there's lots of examples in it. I think I think it you typically see it. I mean, I would say, I'd say this like I was going to say like aspirational desirability ones, but mm. but you know, in the beard, the beard oil that you know that that's that really is crying out for a founder story, and that's that's not a, an aspirational. Well, I think brands that's are, cons- are, are becoming, play. you know, you're becoming you know, influencer based style e-commerce businesses a lot of the time and that people will follow people and they will follow you know particularly in trends and aspirational type businesses and things like that like that founder story is important and once you get it right you can use it everywhere and i think that the other thing i wanted to talk about was like the elevator pitch which would come from the founder story the founder-based ad and the elevator pitch would be effectively taking the founder's story and just putting it in and taking the essence of it and putting it into two sentences and then saying something that would you know if you had an if you were in the elevator with a customer it's like what it would be so for like the beard oil it would be like um you know the world's um best-selling beard oil that won awards even though i didn't i didn't want it or something like that you'd kind of condense it into like you know do you want to buy the beard oil yeah well, do you know what? When you, I think, I think the first, the place to, I think to start is understanding, you know, what is the job to be done? Like, what, what do people actually want? And, and that I think once you figure that out, and I know that sounds really obvious, but like, okay, take for the demo store, the bedding, the bedding business. You know, we analyzed the reviews mm. of all of the competition, so we went out and looked at all the competition. And looked at what what do people rave about in the reviews? What do they get when they're happy? What are they what are they happy about? And they do. Then we look at all the words, and they would say, "Well, it's it's the comfort, obviously mm. the softness, the comfort, um, the feeling of luxury, luxury. You know that beautiful, calming feeling. That oh wow, you know that sensation. You know that when you you know going into this you know beautiful, luxurious bedding. And they set using the same words over and over and over again. Beautifully soft, beautifully soft, beautifully luxurious. You know, it was that. And so you start to then have a very, very clear idea of, of what the positioning of the brand should be. You know what photography you need to do. You know what elevator pitch you need yeah. to do. You know what strap line you need to do. So in the, you know, in, it, with the bedding becomes example, clear. What I would and, do is be like, right, the, the consumer really cares about the feel, the comfort and the washability. So in my founder story, I'd be saying, you know, you know, I am like the worst guest in the world. I, you know, if, if I haven't got the right sheets and I haven't and, and they don't wash right, I am an absolute pain. Or some, I would be making myself into somebody like the extreme version of that so that when I'm talking, they believe what I'm going to say. So like, you, know, you see what I mean? You're saying that you care about that. You care about this. I can see the consumers care yeah. about those things. Well, I actually care about those a hundred times more. I'm like the worst nightmare of that kind of style. So that then they start listening because they go, well, if it's, it's okay for him and he's a complete geek about this stuff, then it's going to be fine for me. And that's kind of like where you might want to position it. Mm. Well, I was going to say, I think you, 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 you're definitely right. I, mean, I think I think it, it actually the founder story is all intertwined between 
you know, the, the positioning of the brand, the job to be mm. done and the anxieties. And it, it, it's, 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 it's a backup and a, and a, a support of it. And it, cause it adds credibility and it, it mm. adds, it's a reason why we exist, you know? So you were talking about the elevator pitch there and the elevator pitch is that little, you know, you know, little, little sort, maybe two lines of copy just below yeah, the Yeah, it's like your hook. It's like your hook. Page. It's like your and reason to, reason to kind of people for you to dive in. And it's, and it should hit the job to be done and the anxiety, you know. So, so like with the bedding site, it's like luxuriously comfortable, mm. great in the wash, mm. something like that, you know. And it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's obviously it becomes obvious what it, what it is, doesn't it? So, let's just go back to the implementation, the practical implementations. You've got your founder story, like I, you can, you, once you've got the job to be done, the founder story, right? You mm. can see how it work in your ads. Okay, you know, your ad copy and your Facebook ad copy and your, and your emails too. But look, where else, where else do you see it? Where should it go? And, and are you just saying really that you need to then distill the elements of the founder story all over? Like that's where your positioning statement should be. That's where your trust and credibility should be focused around, your elevator pitch, you know, your, your, your third-party credibility doors. Like, what, talk, talk about how, where have we seen it executed well? Um, well, what should we get I right? I think that if you think about where it's sold, so like a lot of the time, if you do a really good Facebook ad, then the website can be almost an order taker because it's got everything right. Um, but if you're selling on Google ads, then the, the product page needs to tell that story. The founder story needs to be at least part on the page. But you obviously don't have enough space on the product page to tell your full founder story. So you do have to distill it down. So you have to work on your founder base story and you have to work out what bits of the founder base story are the most important. So like take the, the, the barber example, like probably the most interesting part of that story was that it got picked up by, um, there's a guy called a Sharpologist, which is a, a guy in America who's the biggest men's grooming YouTuber. And then there's another guy, another, another very famous barber. So those are the ones that I'd want to be mentioning on, um, on the product page. Cause that's, that's the interesting bit. You know, like I got discovered, I got discovered yeah. by two of the leading American things, this one and this one. And here's what they've got to say. You put that on the product page and then you've got the essence of the founder story that you're bringing out the most important parts of it. And then you might look at and then you might go and say, well, it's known, you know, I've said at the bottom, it's known in the barber trade and the underground uh, as the underground choice for those that know. Right. So that's a statement. And then underneath that, I might put maybe 10 or 15 uh, testimonials from actual barbers underneath that. So what I would do is I'd, I'd look at my founder base story. Once I know it was working, once I know it was, it was converting, I'd take the essence out of that. And I'd say, well, what are the key bits of that story that I need to convince people on the product page, knowing that someone's going to land on the product page and they're not going to go and find the about us page. They're not going to go and hunt for the story because why should they? You know, I'm selling them the product. And if I don't put it right in front of them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Um... But you, just to put it in perspective, what you're saying, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put the whole no. part of the story right above no. the product image, would you? You know, you, what, you, would, you would have the positioning statement at the top that would ideally tie, I mean, some, you know, some sort of, you know, third party credible, credible source mm. like, you know, GQ magazine saying, oh my God, this is like, the world's mm. best sheet 
you know, and 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 then you'd have the elevator pitch, which would be yeah. quite quite high up, and then you'd start to bring in the founder story underneath it. You know, when you've kind of dealt with the fundamental. So it's interesting the founder story because you can you you see it definitely as part of the mm. recruitment advertising. Certainly there, you see it at the top of the site in the you know the positioning statements right at the top. You see it the founder story starting mm. to come out in the product page a little bit longer, and obviously you take them into the about. And you also see it in the emails, don't you? In all the, yeah. the automated browser-based emails to add that credibility there so it, you, you are you're weaving in and out it can't just be a page on the website it's got to be and you know what the other thing i say as well sometimes we see that um that when people go to the basket page they go to the cart you know when they, if, they, if they go there and you look at where did they go what you know do they you know do they all go into the checkout straight from the cart and often we've seen that well not often but sometimes we have seen mm. that they go to the about us page, you know. So they go to the car and they go to the about us page. And like, why are they? That's weird, mm. isn't it? Like, why do they do that? And there was, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a, there was a couple of businesses in you know the last six months that we looked mm. at that, that that happened. It was very high up, and you know, clearly they want to know who the hell this company is. Like, what's the story? Who are they? Where are they? Where are, you know what's what, who's this? Is this is this is, is this just a, a you know kid in his bedroom mm. spun up a Shopify site, <laughs> or is you know is this real? Like, what, where's the credibility? Where's the trust? And it, you, we've you know you do see that. And I, I I would say getting the founder story right, you know, and bringing out the personality. I think it's like the cheapest, fastest way mm. to create a brand, like to create that credibility. Because how no. the hell are you, how else are you going to do it? <laughs> you know, are you going to go and sponsor, like, you know, catwalk shows or are you going to go and take out TV advertising? Like, most people are, have got a very limited budget. You know, they haven't got a big VC backing. You know, they're sitting on maybe the lowest they can go is like a three and a half, four times row off. And, like, they want the marketing budget to go as far as they possibly can. But there's no way they're then going to go and, you know, go and get interviewed by, you know, Financial Times, how to spend it, or, you know, it, it, it's it's one slide. So they've got to leverage every last little bit. And I think bringing that story. The other thing as well, I think once you get the founder story right, and you, you position your brand around that founder story, you, start, you do mm. start to get interviewed. And you start to get little pieces of press about you. And it becomes a lot easier for you to approach journalists. Yeah. To try to get things written about you because there's a story there. You're not just trying to flog You've got to product, move people away from just the looking page. at the product as a product. If you don't, if you kind of like the, the, the barber one again, if you look at the, the homepage, it's literally some glass bottles with a label on it with some stuff inside it, right? And you can't sell that. You just, you, you just can't sell it. Well, you can, but you're just going to find it difficult. You, but what you, people want to, they want to like, you know, as I told you the story of it, you at least want to try it. You're interested in it. You like, yeah. Well, because otherwise you take you take that founder story away. All it is is a pretty mm. naff looking bottle yeah. with some liquid inside. You know, I got no idea what and what they're selling it for, like fifteen dollars or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Probably more. You know, when you but then yeah, you know it's got to be it's got to be. And the other thing is is that without the founder 
based story, the elevator pitch and the things that make it up and the prove the provability of the founder based story is that if you just kind of come and do like the Hammersley brothers offer architecture on it, you are, and it's not just about discounting, it's three for two or free gift with purchase, all the kind of Hammersley brothers stuff we talk about. You are not pulling against anything. You've got nothing to leverage against. You know, like if you give, if I give you a plastic bottle yeah. with some oil in it, you go, I don't want it. If I tell you it's being, it's used by the um, Sultan of Brunei and it, for, for 20 years and it's the only thing he uses and it costs him $20,000 a bottle and you can get it for 10, you suddenly go, oh, that sounds quite interesting. I'll have, a, I'll have a look at that. But exactly. But you've got. Offer ends midnight. You've got to. You've I got might to, need it. Like, you can't just offer your way out of a hole. You have to. You have to raise raise your um, the desirability. You have to you have to have something that will um, that will give it give it that interest level. Otherwise, um, you're trying to sell that ice to Eskimos, which is which is difficult. Is it Inuit now? I can't remember. I was probably that's a slur, isn't oh. it? Oh, we're going to get written know, in. Probably. Don't want to tell us. Quick Google. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, Validate. You're trying to sell ice to people who have a lot of ice, is what I should say. Um, and it's very difficult to do. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. Well, you got to leverage against something. You know, you can't you can't just go and, and bang an offer on there. You know, you've got to go through those all yeah. those steps, like we said. We said before, you know, the positioning, the navigational flow, mm. the reducing the anxiety, trust and credibility, reason to... This is why you like, probably shouldn't say Eskimo. So you Those should say work. something else. Oh. Well, uh, as we don't edit the podcast, we're, we're just going to have to send it send it out as is. And um, for all the Eskimos we have offended, we, we do deeply apologise. Um, okay, so there you go. There's the founder based story. Yeah. There's the elevator pitch. There's all the information um, that hopefully you can use to start building something greater than the sum of its parts. And um, if you can, yeah. Can I ask you a question before you go? Because you're wrapping up. You said before that you get people to submit mm. their founder based ads for you to look at. Well, that's only on the, on the 20K call program. Do yeah, <laughs> I don't get. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. But what do people like? I, I want to do that. I've got ads. I want you yeah. to look at my well, founder base. I want to look to at come my Facebook one of the ads. programs when we open it. It's closed at the moment. Wanna, yeah, how do we you have do to it? wait till we open it? How do you, yeah, it's closed. Sounds like you know you're sort of trying to position it in some sort of. I get busy here. I can't do it all the time. And, you know, Sort of scarcity there. Is this a tr- is this a it's only close to you, Ian? You know, test. Can't cope with you in it. To be honest, are you doing? <laughs> Anyone else talk to me? It's <laughs> wide open. Come on, join. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I like thank it. you very much. Speak to you next week. Okay. All right, Mark.